So the big question is this. How do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets. Welcome back to the Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Tom Seco, and co-founder of Florida Veterinary Advisors. We are on a mission to provide a way of thinking to help make financial decisions easy so you can spend time doing other things. You can fill in the blank. Recently, I was speaking at the VMX conference, the Veterinary Meeting and Expo conference over in Orlando, Florida. And there was a presentation where I had co-presented with another person and talked about the top tips to prepare your practice for sale. And I wanted to share a snippet of that presentation with you today so you can almost be like you were at the presentation with us. And if you're finding that these shows are great or you're looking for some more education and guidance, make sure to listen to some of the other episodes we have along with taking a look at all the other content that we have on our website. So sit back and I hope you enjoy this little snippet from the top tips for preparing your veterinary practice for sale. There is 100% certainty that each of you who own a business or if you will own a business are going to leave that business at some point. And the way that that's gonna happen is that there's a couple different paths, which I'll talk about in a second, but at the end of the day, you're either going to, you're gonna sell it, you're gonna keep it, and eventually you could die with the practice and then it eventually just goes away at some point or another. So depending on what your idea of what you want in the future is important. And we've, I've even just had conversations recently, there's one practice owner is super tired, uh, literally just couldn't find someone to buy her practice, shut the doors, left trash in the trash cans, everything. And then two years later, someone else bought them and they just started opening that practice again. So she wanted out, she couldn't figure it out, she was done, closed the doors. So with all that being said, what is the path to confidence as a practice owner? Like how do I really be able to maximize things? And the way we boiled it down is that there's three core steps you need to follow. You know, first you gotta learn how to protect. Understanding your biggest asset, your source of cash flow, uh, you're actually your biggest asset when it comes to being a practice owner, depending on what phase of life you're at. If you're towards the latter phase, it's likely the value of your practice. If you're towards the beginning part of your career as a practice owner, it's your cash flow. So the cash flow usually will supersede whatever your practice is going to be worth over time. And a lot of people tend to mismanage their cash flow in a way where they don't have a lot of control or clarity over it. On your taxes, you might show that you're making X, but you don't feel like you're making X, but you're still paying taxes on X. It just happens. But understanding what, what to protect is super important. Then the cash flow part of it is, when are you going to leave? Like, how are you going to prepare yourself to be able to eventually exit? You're building up assets. You're actually focusing on how to maximize the value of your veterinary practice. And then the last part here is, how do you want to eventually leave your practice? Like, have you considered it? I know a lot of people that I talk to, they tend to get to a part in their career. There might be some of you in this crowd right now, you're just like, I've worked 50, 60, 70 hours, and I am done. <laughs> I'm ready, I wanna just get out of this. Uh, so it's at some point, it's like, if you're not thinking about it now, you really should be thinking about it now, uh, because a lot of people wait till the last minute, and then they can't do a lot of planning. It's sort of, it is what it is, and they're just kind of pulling it all together at the last second. The three ways that we can actually exit. First one is you can sell to someone inside. So if you have employee or employees, uh, if your business does a certain amount of revenue too, depending on how big your practice is, there's a thing what they call uh, an, an ESOP. So of course you have to be generating a significant amount of profits where you could sell it to your employees as a whole. 
There's a pretty interesting tax strategy you can use behind that. Uh, but if you also want to transition it to an associate veterinarian or if you live in a state that allows for you to sell it to other members, I live in Florida, so I can be a non-veterinarian practice owner uh, and own a practice. Some states require a majority veterinarian to own it. The other part is do you want to sell it to an outsider corporation uh, or there's many different types of groups that are out there. Uh, you get the larger groups, you got more of like the partnership groups depending on what you're looking for. And then the last one is you can keep it until you die. So then it's like what's your... <laughs> What's, what's your transition plan at that point, and do you have it to where it could transition to the next generation of your family, or the doors is going to get closed, and then there's going to be a fire sale, and then whatever's there is going to be reduced significantly, and that's what your family is going to receive at the end of the day. So we've noticed a lot of people will get to a point in their, their career with a practice that they haven't built up enough assets, they're focusing a lot on their practice to be their retirement, and they realize they just can't put the pieces together, and they keep their practice because they just realize the amount of cash flow that it generates for them. So if you want to sell to an insider, what we've always found, I, I find like 99.9% .9 of practice owners want to sell it to their associate veterinarian. Or if they don't have one, they want to find an associate and they want to sell it. The problem is today there's a massive shortage of veterinarians. I have my opinions around that. I'll just kind of keep that suppressed for the moment, but I have ideas and thoughts behind it, theories. But at the end, end of the day, when you do sell it to an insider, you can be able to control more of that transition. Like many of you might be like, hey, I have a culture, I have a certain environment that I've created over time, and I want to maintain that. I want to transition that in a way to where my legacy lives on. And that's one of the biggest perks of what a lot of times people want to do that. But the biggest thing is if you're waiting to transition your business and you wait till you're just about to retire, your, your ability to be able to do that gets very, very small which is what I would say has driven a lot, of, a lot of corporate consolidation these days because when they're offering 10, 15, 20 times profits or EBITDA, it's kind of enticing when I can get three to four times from my associate or I can get 10, 15, 20 from a corporation. It's like, well, shoot, like, I'm going to go for that because I don't have any other assets. I need to sell it. Because the biggest part of it, the con to selling it to an insider is they have no cash. Maybe the owner might have to come back at some point or another because the associate didn't do a good job. There might be what they call a seller's note. So depending on how much you're demanding from a cash flow standpoint from the business, there might be a, a note between you as the seller and the person buying it to where you're financing it through the profits of the business over time, which there is a double taxation event that does happen along the way where the business will produce profits, you pay income tax, and then there's taxes that will be paid from the transition of the money from the buyer to the seller where they pay capital gains. So it reduces the amount of cash that can be pushed over but then also another con is that depending on how short the time period is, you might not be able to get as much for the business uh, because even if you go to a bank right now and you ask them like, hey, I want to sell it, they're going to look at the, the cash flow and the, the overall how your business is doing to determine how much they're willing to lend. So most of them are not going to provide at the level like a corporation is. Uh, but I would echo on what, what Charlotte was saying earlier is that right now from a consolidation standpoint, you know, I, I would probably sit back and look and observe if you're looking to sell it to a buying group just for the sake of where interest rates are and the pricing that they're paying on them. They have, they have indigestion at the moment. They bought so many of them and they're trying to get positive cash flow from all these big entities because they paid a lot for them. The third party, well, when you do sell it, which many of you might be leaning towards that way, is you get cash up front. Boom. Like after the due diligence, the selling process, one of the people we're working with recently, they got millions of dollars just all of a sudden just, <laughs> here it is, you signed and it's true. They wire money into your account that same day and here you are, you have all these funds there. But the biggest part of it, there could be, aren't going to be able to control the, the culture to the aspect of it. So it's like you're pretty much giving up your business from the concept what Charlotte was saying. I'm going to start using that analogy. 
you're driving a pickup truck with the trailer and they take all your stuff out of the trailer and they just give you a check and then you're just like, what do you do next? So I do want to hit on something here real fast too because when it comes to having an S Corp or an LLC or a sole proprietorship, uh, when you are a sole proprietor, and I'm not going to speak too much behalf on, on Charlotte, uh, but from a tax standpoint, like, there are legal things that can come into play. But when you have an LLC versus an S-Corp, or if you are filing your taxes as an S-Corp, you can be able to reduce your taxation. I'm not an accountant, by all means, but if any of you have not looked into having an LLC and electing as an S-Corp, or creating an S-Corp and filing as an S-Corp, you could be leaving thousands of dollars of taxes on the table, depending on how you're paying yourself. So it might be something to really look into from a standpoint to maximize what you're getting from a cash flow standpoint. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. C.J. Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. C.J. Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Venture Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. 2023154469 expires April 2025.